Welcome to Aston Means Business. I'm Steve Dyson, the journalist presenting this regular podcast for Aston Business School. This podcast focuses on how small businesses, known as SMEs, are coping with the huge economic disruption caused by the coronavirus pandemic. Our special series is called Aston Means Business, SMEs Dealing with COVID-19. We've been speaking to businesses who are taking part or who've previously taken part in Aston Centre for Growth's programmes and we're giving them a voice to discuss their challenges, share their experiences and explain how they're coping with the crisis. We're also interviewing some of uh, Aston Business School's top academics and other experts, getting their valuable insight, analysis and advice for SMEs. Please bear with us as all recordings are carried out remotely online and that makes sure that we conform to the government's current stay-at-home advice. In today's episode, we're talking to Geeta Selhan. Uh, She's the co-founder and director of Green Sisters, a Birmingham-based business that provides people who have dietary restrictions with delicious homemade food. Hello to you, Geeta. Hi, Steve. Thanks for having me. No problems at all. Also joining us online is Paula Whitehouse. Uh, She's the Associate Dean for Enterprise at Aston Business School and is the director of Aston Centre for Growth. Hello to you, Paula. Hi, Steve, and hi to Geeta, too. Hi, Paula. Great to have you both. Uh, Geeta, uh, briefly tell us a bit more about Green Sisters. How and when was the company formed, and, and what are its unique features? Sure. Um, well, Green Sisters was something that came about in the early stages of 2018. We started to trade um, following about 18 months of, of food development. Um, we're a food producer of award-winning authentic Indian products, um, snacks such as samosas and bhajis um, that excite taste buds for those of us who either choose a plant-based diet or um, also may be um, challenged by food in terms of removing allergens from our diet. Um, We formed as a result of uh, some personal challenges which I faced with food, um, being gluten-free and also having a combination of dietary needs. I was also vegetarian. Um, And myself, my family and friends, we struggled at the time to to sort of fulfil those. So um, our purpose really came about as a result of noticing that other individuals also have this challenge, um, particularly when they're out and about. And what we were hoping to do is to really produce food that was great tasting. So we have award-winning products, great taste award-winning ones, um, simply to make sure that we excite the taste buds of those of us who also have, you know, specific dietary needs. Um, And, you know, the basic idea and the vision is, is, um, you know, to make sure that people don't miss out at eating occasions like food buffets um, and also when they're out and about. Sounds good to me. And I've been looking online at some of your uh, products and they, I must say they look absolutely beautiful. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to tasting some at some point in the future. Um, Geeta, talking about the size of your company, uh, tell us about your operations in terms of your orders and your staff numbers and how that was developing before the current pandemic. Well, we were at a really exciting stage before the pandemic hit um, in that we um, actually started to manufacture our products in the early stages from home. Then we moved into an incubation space in Chester and it grew the company from just myself and Rena, who were the co-founders, to um, a group of five of us individuals who would be in a food production basis. And then we brought on individuals um, as contractors. So whether that be um, food consultants, whether that be IT 
staff, designers, that type of thing. Um, and we were just about to move back to the Birmingham region in terms of purchasing um, a space here for manufacturing because going over to Chester was a little bit of a challenge. Um, you know, it, it created some inefficiencies. And then the pandemic hit. So um, it's been exceptionally interesting times for us because um, we obviously have moved from a company that started to grow and started to really transition into coming back to Birmingham from a manufacturing perspective, um, one that used to service things like farm shops um, and actually have lots of corporate catering events for the likes of NatWest, Santander, Aston University, um, various charities um, to a company who now has two of its main um, actual channels for producing um, cash flow through the business being completely removed. Um, so festivals was one of our main channels of business, as was um, actual corporate catering. We did dip our toe in the water with um, retail sales. Um, but what we realised in the last sort of 12 months was that we wanted to actually be really strategic and long term in our thinking and actually design um, our business model. So we were able to cater to larger retailers as well as independents and farm shops, um, which which we had dipped our toe in the water with doing um, in sort of the early stages of last year. Okay, so it sounds as if um, your kind of natural development as a business and one or two reviews and changes to how you were operating almost coincided with COVID-19 and has basically um, given you a bit of a time to pause. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, for us, it's, um, you know, we've almost been pushed into a pause process. So last year, we spent a lot of time, as I said, we went, we went into farm shops and delis and realised that we hadn't really set ourselves up as um, you know, a manufacturer that was able to produce for larger retail. Um, so we felt that we'd press pause at that point. But then, you know, we were ready to sort of make a shift into manufacturing um, at a larger scale and obviously having our first um, opportunity to have a cafe stroke deli as well. Um, and the fact that this almost stopped any of that movement going forward um, has meant that we've almost had to reconsider um, certain elements of our business um, and one of those is is that we did always have an online presence but we weren't necessarily um, you know focusing on a marketing strategy that was direct to consumer um, and with the very early stages of COVID um, you know hitting us one of the only avenues that we had left to drive any cash flow through the business was our online sales and um, through doing so we um, recognized that as a food manufacturer traditionally of Indian snacks um, it you know people were starting to mention that they were having food insecurity across, you know, the Instagram networks that we have, Facebook. Um, so those individuals who had allergies and intolerances were no longer able to access the food they would normally because supermarkets were having larger, um, you know, uh, wait times for any deliveries. And some of those people were limited to how they could actually access the food that they needed. So instead of us being truly a snack producer, we've actually pivoted and um, became a, a Indian food manufacturer of meals as well. So we started to focus on online sales, but producing parcels or meal boxes, if you like, 
um, which meant that up to seven days, those individuals who were stuck at home in isolation that may have more than one um, health condition, um, which might be celiac disease, that they follow a gluten-free diet plus diabetes, which means they have to isolate, that they would actually also have to um, you know, find a way to access food. And, and we felt that we needed to be there for that. That's really interesting. I'll, I'll talk to Paula about this for a moment because, Paula, it sounds like a, a natural pause almost in, in Green Sisters has given the company a chance to um, consider what it's doing, to review what's going well, to also respond to the markets um, in the pandemic. And in some ways, it can almost become an opportunity, can't it? Indeed. Uh, it's certainly not a welcome pause, though particularly for an early stage business like Green Sisters that had had such momentum for growth. Um, They've been building a client base and building their brand. And it's a difficult situation that Gita and Rena find themselves in. Plans do evolve for young businesses, but usually because you try something and you find it's not quite right for the business and then you you go in a different direction. But being forced to do it by such a, a massive sort of external circumstance or or shock that we've had now um, is really very unusual and and just has added to the turmoil uh, massively. However, once you're forced into this situation, you can take the opportunity to look strategically at the business, which is exactly what Gita was talking about. You might think that's what business owners will be doing all the time. But in fact, with a small early stage business, the owners are at the coalface, running the detail of the day-to-day operations all day. And that often means seven days a week. And we hear again and again from entrepreneurs that we work with that carving out time to step back and work on the business is a really valuable thing for long-term planning. So for many, once they look at changes in their industry and markets caused by the pandemic, they'll want to make changes to their products and services and their relationships with customers. And working out exactly what that means for their business model does need the kind of planning and analysis that can be best done out of the day-to-day whirlwind of business as usual. Green Sisters have got a really clear purpose as a business and they've established a niche which was ahead of the curve in consumer trends to do with vegan and allergen friendly food. And the challenge now is packaging that in a different way for different customers and, and, and being very clear um, what it is that they're, they're producing, but in, in a different way, which is what Geisha was talking about. No, that's fantastic. I mean, Gita, uh, I think Paula's quite right, Gita, to say that the, the pause wasn't necessarily welcome, but it was something which happened. And, and and you're taking some positive benefits from that. But at the same time, how have you managed to take swift action as a business to get the kind of help you need from the government during the downturn to maintain a minimum cash flow whilst things change? It's been a real challenge, if I'm totally truthful with you. Um, I think we hesitated to jump at the furlough option because we feel as a business, we have a purpose that is to really make sure that those individuals who are, you know, um, the reason we exist to help those individuals who are maybe um, being excluded and not necessarily having food security right now, you know, stuck at home, um, we, we wanted to make sure we serve our core customer base and continue to do that so we almost didn't feel it's right to shut up shop um, from from a real purpose-led reason but we um, as a business have had to take some tough decisions because whilst we've um, welcomed the um, opportunity to take a pause albeit very sort of pressured it's it has led us to try and test and learn new things like I was saying with the online um, 
parcel delivery. But in doing so, we've learned some really important things about sort of how our setup is logistically to be able to service that. And, you know, we've spent a lot of time building a brand and um, we know that we did really well on the internet actually for the month um, that we um, obviously focused in on that marketing period to people who may well need parcels. However, um, because we were getting a percentage of those arriving damaged because Again, there's pressures with all elements of business. So there will be career services that are being exceptionally pressured and so not maybe delivering on their promises as they would normally because they're having to use, you know, um, third parties as well to, to deliver things. We felt we we're also potentially having, you know, some, some external challenges in, in our parcel delivery service. So we've taken a tough decision to furlough myself. Um, so right now, um, Rena is, is um, you know, at the actual call face on her own (laughs) dare I say it but hopefully you know feeling as comfortable as she can be but if I'm totally truthful I feel that there's more that can be done for small businesses um you know I appreciate that the government's doing their best um and there has been initiatives being announced and you know we were always sat at the edge of our seats from you know the very moment lockdown happened to sort of know that something would come through from um top down that would be um applicable for business like us who do have manufacturing spaces but um, or, or offices or rented facilities but don't necessarily pay rates um, you know we, we felt we were we were going to be um, eligible for some sort of support but it feels like we fit into a gap that hasn't actually still yet been um, filled and um, there seems like there's some inequality in the way that some of the um, actual government help and support has actually been given out and and whilst we're still hopeful that there may be something else I I would urge if anybody's listening to maybe to reconsider you know some of the mechanisms behind accessing those um you know relief um pots I'm not saying necessarily that we'd want a grant but ultimately we can't access a loan because most businesses of our size we can consistently re um purpose the any finances that we receive we we focus massively on innovation especially removing all of the 14 allergens from from the food it's required a lot of of our investment um and so typically businesses like ours would spend a lot of time in r&d as we consistently do but wouldn't necessarily be able to access some of those even loans that are available because we can't say that we've projected the kind of growth that is you know, the caveat for some of the eligibility criteria. So I think there's, you know, there, there are loopholes in, in in what's been available for those individuals like us. Yeah, let, let's put that to Paula for a moment. I mean, Paula, um, has Gita identified a, a problem for micro businesses there? Um, she seems to be saying they either aren't big enough or established enough to be paying rates or aren't receiving local grants, or they're not able or even wanting to take on extra debt. Is the government missing a trick here with startups that should be encouraged to keep on trading, to keep on investing and to keep the R&D up to help pull us out of the recession when normality returns? I'm afraid my answer is yes. We're very worried about those small businesses that are at risk of slipping through the net. If your cost structure doesn't include premises with rates, as we've heard from Gita, then those local authority grants that have actually been quick to come through and a welcome element of relief for many businesses, they're just not relevant. Um, and also, countless startups are just not in a position to be taking on loans of any nature. So this issue really needs addressing. 
There have been a couple of welcome additions to the government package of funding um, in recent days. There's the promise of the Future Fund, which is an acknowledgement from government that innovation and growth have to be supported. And it is absolutely fundamental to help new ideas and radical activity get off the ground for the sake of all our key industries in the future and for our competitiveness as a nation. We've also recently heard about bounce back loans that will be faster and more accessible than the problematic SIBILs, Coronavirus Business Interruption Loan Scheme. Uh, The fact that it's got a more accessible name is hopefully a good start. But you're absolutely right. And this um, is uh, very, very worrying. We we don't want to see small businesses um, collapsing because they just don't meet the criteria. Yeah, well, let's just hope that someone out there in the government, in the Treasury, listens to that concern. And Geeta, turning back to yourself, despite the pandemic uh, and understanding Green Sisters' almost natural pause caused by the pandemic, but also giving you a chance to review, whilst all that is going on, uh, you're still an active company, aren't you, with people wanting to buy the product, albeit in lower numbers at the moment. How are you dealing with this whilst you yourself are furloughed? Well, it's an interesting one. Um, We were very fortunate in that um, when we grew our company and moved out to our unit in Chester, we actually continued to have our food premises where we started at home continuing to be accredited um, by the Food Standards Agency. So we can still operate our business from home. Um, Obviously, um, it's not ideal um, and certainly it would only be able to fulfil smaller requirements um, whilst, you know, things start to pick up again. And obviously, if I, you know, if things do pick up, I'll I'll come back from furlough. But we've also sadly had to serve it, um, you know, have to serve our notice on our unit in Chester because we don't have the reliefs that have been put in place um, for, for companies by the, you know, for companies by the government. So, you know, at the moment we're in a in a, in a very forced pause, um, and we are, however, doing what we can with the resources we can. So, we, you know, we'll pull in volunteers where possible. Rena's um, obviously getting some support voluntarily from the family to make sure that any of those individuals who may well need um, our products will actually be able to to still access them and you know we we don't want to shut down for for those reasons that I mentioned before because we're really passionate about the cause and and we really believe there will be people who still need uh, you know products that that we produce so yeah it's a moving feast (laughs) And Geeta, when the uh, near normality, I call it near normality because I don't think anything can ever be quite normal again, but when near normality returns, uh, what's the plan? Once the crisis has passed, uh, when things uh, are getting clearer, what's yours and Rena's plan to get going again in terms of your real growth? Well, prior to all of this, as I mentioned before, we, we were looking at, you know, purchasing those premises. So one would hope that, you know, that's still something that we may be able to do. But it really just depends on whether we are going to see much, um, you know, more relief. Um, and, and if there is going to be something accessible for us as to whether that, you know, that changes. It also depends on the length of time we're in this, you know, little bit of a strange period. Um, the great thing, though, that we, that we will be continuing with, um, we were at the end of, of being you know accredited for some of the larger retail um you know needs um the accreditations that would allow us to go into retail um, and we'll be putting and activating those plans so we, we very much believe we will still be about albeit our growth will be um potentially hindered if we're not 
given more support. Um, and, you know, the access of our products, which initially were envisaged to buy this year, appear in, you know, retails, larger supermarkets, so that individuals across the nation could access them quite easily. It just may take a bit longer to be, be able to activate that plan. Um, but we'll do our best to keep pushing ahead. Um, and yeah, really, you know, we started this off really because we believe in the reason we exist. And so we will be damned if we let this stop us from achieving that goal. Fantastic, Keita. You, you keep at it. Uh, Paula, talking to you now, the, the Green Sisters businesses. It's a great example, isn't it, of how a business is trying to deal with COVID-19 by being nimble and flexible and opening itself up to review and change. But it is, of course, just one business. Um, apart from Green Sisters' example, what other top tips do you have for SMEs in terms of turning what could be termed a pause in their business to their advantage? What should SMEs be doing now to help them to relaunch once neo normality returns? They all need to think about how they can innovate, how they can be doing things in a different way. As we've heard from Geeta, Green Sisters have been innovators from the start. So they have the right mindset, which is really important. Um, I have actually been fortunate enough to attend events catered for by Green Sisters, and I can testify to the fact that their vegan chocolate samosas are amazing. Um, in the current situation, it may not be about changing your products, however, or your products or services, but it could be that your route to market has to be different because the changing patterns of consumer behaviour as restrictions and lockdown measures evolve over time or because you need to be managing customer relationships in a totally different way. Uh, think also about the communities you're part of as a business, your sector, your supply chain, your local community. Many businesses have been discussing ways to work together, which they wouldn't consider under normal circumstances. A crisis of this magnitude can lead to new models of collaboration and radical ways of working with others. And currently, the levels of uncertainty mean you actually have to acknowledge as a group that there are things you just don't know. Some sort of information now for businesses about timescales and what social distancing and restrictions may look like in the coming months would lead to much more effective planning for businesses and help to unlock innovation for the future. So I really hope that we see some more detailed information coming out soon, which will help. Yeah, some good advice there and some good calls for more guidance too. Uh, look, both of you, thank you. First of all, to you, Geeta, thank you for joining us on this episode. Thank you. May I just say um, a, an extra special big thanks to the Aston Growth Programme and all of the cohort that, that are on that, because I have to say through all of this, um, one of the silver linings have been the way that we have pulled together as a small business community. I'm sure Paula will be uh, pleased to hear that. And, and, and thanks very much for you taking part as well, Paula. Thank you. And, and Geeta, thank you for your kind words. It does mean a lot to us. That was Geeta Selham, the co-founder and director of Green Sisters, and Paula Whitehouse, the director of the Aston Centre for Growth. What they both had to say about startups um, using the current crisis as a natural pause to review, plan and adapt their businesses is hopefully something other SMEs will find helpful. And perhaps one or two ears from the Treasury listening will take on board uh, what both uh, Gita and Paula were saying about further needs for micro-businesses. We'll be back in the next few days with more case studies of how businesses are coping and with more crucial analysis and advice from academics and experts here at Aston. Aston means business. SMEs dealing with COVID-19. Thanks for listening.